Welcome back to another episode of the Development by David podcast. And today your guest is me. Apparently there's appetite to learn more about me, your podcast host on this podcast. So if there's appetite then I'll supply. So I put on my Instagram story a poll for you guys to ask me some questions and you responded. I have 40 wonderful questions there or thereabouts and I'll hope to answer them all in the most profound and respectful ways possible but I might slip up and swear a little bit if I get a bit passionate. I answer questions about meeting the Queen, what I do for a living, where I am in my self-development journey, my funniest travel story, my thoughts on Tinder. Oh and if you do enjoy it send me some feedback at development by David on Instagram or at David McIntosh on LinkedIn. Let me know if you want to have more solo podcasts I'd happily provide if you provide the questions. I hope you really enjoy this one. Without further ado let's get into it. What is happiness to you? Great question. Happiness to me is to know that I am growing every single day and not moving horizontally. I mean, if I can improve 1% a day intellectually, creatively, emotionally, physically, I can go to bed pretty satisfied. One of the areas in life that make me well and truly happy is also touching someone's day. And that's usually in the form of either making them smile or making them laugh, but most optimally giving them a piece of insight or motivation for them to improve 1% each day in each of those areas. I also enjoy being the idiot in the room sometimes, so I just try and make people laugh. That's happiness to me. Where are you in your self-development journey? I mean, that's a pretty profound question. Like, where is anyone in their self-development journey? There is no promotion or bonus when it comes to these things. There's no manager over your shoulder checking in on you. In self-development, you're most often the coach, the participant, the crowd, the physio, and the guy that sells the tickets. Success in my journey might be a failure in yours, and a failure in yours might be a success in mine. But what's important is to create parameters for success when it comes to self-development. I think that's why a lot of us may lose at life. We need to gamify self-development or gamify life. I mean, it's easy to win at football because there's rules and objectives. You take the ball and you put it in the net and the person who does that most often usually wins. So if we take this approach and apply it to life, then we can define success and make our self-development journey a little bit more measurable. I mean, I set myself guiding principles this year which would define success for me, I guess. Um, these were to love less, but love harder, to realize my insignificance, to have more fun and joy, and to feel my emotions instead of understanding that they just exist. I'd say I'm making steady progress on them all, but there's, there's room for improvement. What are life lessons that you learn over, over lockdown? I mean, I could do a whole podcast on this one question, but my main takeaway is having gratitude for the essentials. How often did we bypass dinner with family and mates when life was normal? How often did we go to like the same bar every Friday and drink the same drinks? How rigid were we in our hobbies? Now we have none of that. I believe the strongest of people in lockdown are the ones who have somehow developed some sort of novelty in their life. I mean, 
you know me, I'm a huge fan of routine and consistent habits, all that good stuff. I mean, I picked up meditation and journaling and mod- like a morning podcast, which I do every day. These are consistent habits. And they're part of my routine and they contribute to my happiness, yes. But what makes me well and truly happy these days is my little escapism at the weekend, which is this podcast. Talking to someone new every weekend, that novelty keeps me so strong. What I would encourage anyone to do, especially the listeners of the show, is to seek discomfort and seek novelty until we get normality back. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. What is your, what's your training program at the moment? I'd say it's like an upper-lower split at the moment. Upper one day, lower the next, and I kind of push-pull-legs kind of format. Nothing too rigid. I'm just so grateful to have some kit at the moment and some outdoor space. I love running these days too. I mean, it's tough. It's a psychological warfare with, with yourself. Like, we know no one is making us run. and We can stop at any moment. We can walk. It takes the most inner grit and resilience to keep going. Um, but that mental conditioning kind of transpires into the other facets of my day, especially when I've hit red first thing in the morning. What is your nutrition plan at the moment? I was hoping no one would ask this because it's quite, quite off piece, but I'm finally back to counting calories. I'm following the old principles of one gram of protein per pound of body weight, 25% of my calories come from fats and the remainder are carbs. And since I've started this again, I've been losing approximately a kilo a week, uh, but got a long, long way to go. But there's a reason why I didn't count calories for so long. I mean, life is one big calorie deficit at the moment. Calories are a unit of measurement and we've had all the things that gives us energy removed this year. I didn't want to live a further restricted lifestyle until, until I felt I, I need to. Why did you start your podcast? Hmm. Yes. Inside Wanted Out. My inner circle and my wider circle are made up of the most interesting humans on earth. I always have the most insightful conversations with these people. And I always leave talking talking with them, thinking, that could have been a podcast. I wish I recorded that. So I thought, why can't it be a podcast? I often would recommend people to others for them to appear on their podcasts. And I thought it was time to be a little bit more selfish with my intel. I also wanted to start a role model service. Growing up, I don't think I had a strong role model. Well, definitely not in the realm that I am currently trying to achieve in. As a young man, schools would often have speakers in to talk about technical subjects and hold workshops, which were great, right? But as as much as they were useful, they weren't motivating. What motivated me was hearing the genesis stories or, or the origin stories of the people who had made it from nothing to something. People who could embrace trauma and keep moving forward. And that's why my shows always start with either who is Joe Foster or Jen Gillies Pemberton today in 2021, or what is your Genesis story? Those questions always flip first or second, but they're always the fundamental questions I ask. And it's for that reason. And I also believe self-development podcasts are great. Like I consume them most days, but they're very highly geared in terms of language and very verbose. I'm quite articulate to some extent, and I can digest these, but someone who's just starting their journey might, might not be. 
I wanted the podcast to be a kind of in plain English style, and I hope I've achieved that, to be honest. How to get over being scared of what people think of you? I love this question, and my answer is going to be pretty rude. But I need to say, I need to get it off my chest. To get over being scared of what people think of you, you need to stop being so fucking self absorbed and self entitled. <laughs> no one gives a wet, hot shit what you are doing. And no one gives a wet, hot shit what you're up to. You need to realize your insignificance and maximize your potential. And yeah, someone, someone you don't care about will send a message into a group chat with a herd of people that you also don't care about. And that's the furthest that this will travel in its value chain. No one, no one who's doing better than you will care about what you're doing. It'll only be the people that have yet to discover how fucking insignificant they are. I mean, imagine this, right? You're lying in your deathbed knowing you didn't start that business or you didn't start that podcast or that embroidery company or whatever because the opinion of someone else who is merely just a name to you, 30 years on, once spent 12 seconds judging you for doing something that would have given you a lifetime of happiness. That's fucking misery on steroids. Honestly. Stop being so fucking self-absorbed. That's my answer to that one. How did you meet the Queen and what was the experience like? Well, you guys know I'm a, a huge advocate for transparency. I work in this big, shiny office in a corporate environment where everyone from the outside in looks like a similar version of each other. But deep down, we're not. I mean, I had this stereotypical perception of an accountant and that wasn't me so I started to advocate being me I started to tell my story coming from a disadvantaged background losing my mum parents having mental health struggles I started advocating that using it as a kind of sounding board for others to resonate with and some for some reason that had a snowball effect I did a this is me style presentation in front of a couple hundred people that was well received. I was then invited to speak with Katie Piper, the, the advocate and the activist. And I just gained traction from being transparent. And then KPMG reached out to me, my employer, asking if I would be happy to be shortlisted to speak with the Queen at a royal visit to mark our 150th year as a firm. And obviously I said yes. So they compiled a list of what they would perceive as great speakers, me included, imposter syndrome, I know. And they would pitch this to the palace and the palace would pick three or four individuals that they want the queen to speak with. And lo and behold, they picked me. And even at that point, that was a huge achievement. Never mind being picked by the palace. Um, so what came next was a series of script writing that I had to write. Uh, and lo and behold, I didn't really write a script because I told my story to the Queen. Um, whereas maybe the rest of the individuals had something a bit more rigid. And after that, a series of rehearsals took place where someone from the palace, the private secretary, would <laughs> mimic the Queen or, uh, or uh, act as the Queen whilst we did these rehearsals. It was hilarious. It was so funny. Um, they would even imitate the voice. And I would practice my story. And it never changed. 
all the story never changed, of course, because it's my 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 story. It's innate to me, but the way I delivered it would have changed because each time I wasn't reading off a script. So two weeks on, it was show day, time to meet Queen Lizzie, and I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared, although I had to do a few energizers through through the room. I I was composed and I was ready, and I think I know why this is, and I'm trying to combat this this paradigm this year. I tied happiness with achievement. If I believed I was achieving, I would believe I was happy. So meeting the queen for me was a tick box exercise. I didn't immerse myself. I didn't let myself become immersed in the experience. And I never felt any of the trials and tribulations that came along with it. I just operated and I did it. And it was an amazing experience, but only now that I'm more in touch with my emotions, I can reflect and feel nervous. In hindsight, I feel nervous. Um, and I realized how much of a big deal it was. But on the whole, the Queen was lovely. Like She was like a sweet old grandma. And unlike the other speakers, although she was engaged with them, she was emotionally engaged to my story because I spoke about my dad guarding at Buckingham Palace. I spoke about losing my mom. And I spoke about the, the social mobility network that I set up within my firm that changes or helps to change hundreds, if not thousands of lives. Would you publicly speak for a living? If that means I can actualize my goal of doing good and touching as many lives as possible, then yes, I definitely would. What are your long-term goals? Hmm. I don't like to plan long-term anymore. Long-term planning is overrated. It narrows every decision down one decision filter. You surpass on spontaneity, spontaneity, spontaneity um, by doing this. Um, sometimes not knowing what you don't know is the best approach. But if I were to have to label this, it would be to be a comedic actor. I admire Jim Carrey and Sasha Baron Cohen. I think that's always been my my dream. But realistically, I'd love to present for a living or do this podcast forever. I'd also like to start a corporate social responsibility advisory firm teaching other organizations like the one I work for to put societal impact at the heart of their business. Do you have a girlfriend? Nope, and I wouldn't envy her, honestly. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Tinder? Hmm, it's bittersweet. It's an amazing platform if you meet someone who is aligned to you with the same intentions of using the app. The heartbreak is most people don't use Tinder to align with someone. They use it as a sense check or a like a benchmark until to see what level of attractiveness they can attract. And then thereafter, they chase the carrot on the stick to move upwards on that scale. Otherwise, old school is best meeting in a pub or restaurant or whatever, coffee shop. It's a bit more romantic, isn't it? What is your job? My job is an, a management consultant and qualified accountant at a big four firm. I started as an apprentice on, on a six-year scheme. I'm now in my fourth year at the age of 22. I had wonderful experiences. I get to travel a lot or used to get to travel a lot to London, Birmingham, those kind of places. Uh, it's fantastic. I really enjoy it. Are you rich? Not monetary rich, no. I mean, I earn a good salary, especially for someone my age, but... Rich is, rich is one of those terms 
that don't need to be tied to finances, but I'd say I'm rich in experience and I'm rich in my own values. How do you relax? Uh, the person who asked this knows me, knows me too well. I'm not very good at relaxing. I'm not, but if I were to say one thing, it would be that guitar is my favourite. I have one of those looper pedals that uh, loop the cards that you play and you can play over the top of it. That's so much fun. I encourage everyone to pick up an instrument. What are your favourite books? Hmm. The Forgotten Highlander, which is a biography of a prisoner of war. It teaches the power of optimism and resilience. Um, it's one of those books you read one page and you'll be grateful for the life that you live. I also enjoy The Formula by Albert Laszlo Barabasi. It's a physicist writing about network science. Uh, it really opened success up for me. Um, I also love How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, that's helped my communication skills. And I'm currently reading Be More Pirate by Sam Conniff, which is a book about how the traits of entrepreneurs maps the traits of pirates, I believe. How do you start on, how do you work on self-confidence when starting new things? Good question. I'd say embrace imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome should exist in everyone's life. I think it's a good thing. If you're creating something that doesn't already exist, then you should have imposter syndrome. I mean, we're all unique beings with our own experiences. No one has overcame the challenges you have had and no one's enjoyed the same thrill from the same experiences as you. We are all imposters. No one is parallel. No one is alike. Mm. How to work in self-confidence. What else would I say? I'd say you must be ready to suck at whatever, whatever it is that you're starting. You need to enjoy the process and not enjoy what the process buys you. Fuck quick wins. Being passionate is also not enough. Being obsessed is everything. Obsession is a formula of passion plus survival. Obsession is where you can still operate when you take passion out of that equation. Favourite holiday destination? Southeast Asia, hands down, especially Thailand. The food, the weather, the people, the landscape, the price, unrivaled. I need to get back. Funniest travel story? Oh, okay. I would say this happened in Bangkok. So you might recognise the Labua Sky Bar from the Hangover movie. It's where, uh, it's where they get busted by the undercover cops. Is that scene? So it was my intention to visit that when I was in Bangkok. Bearing in mind I didn't have a phone with a Thai SIM in it, so I had no data. And I tried to locate the Labua Sky Bar without using Google Maps. And if anyone has been to Thailand, you know the climate is crazy. It's shorts and vest kind of weather year round. So I spent three hours using public transport trying to find the Labua Tower. Um, I relied on instinct, I relied on maps, I relied on generous people in the public. 
and I was navigating Bangkok at night by myself, or at least with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And three hours later, lo and behold, we found it and we turn up absolutely um, exhausted. And we asked to enter the sky bar and they say, oh, you're wearing flip flops and shorts and t-shirts. It's a formal dress code here. You can't enter unless you, unless you wear something a little bit more formal. We were heartbroken. We spoke to the concierge. He said, he said, sir, if you look at the end of the street, there's a gentleman selling or sorry, renting out clothes, formal formal wear to, to enter this building. And at this point, it was a last resort. So I, I visited this gentleman who had an on-street market. And I said to him, okay, I'm looking for a pair of trousers and a shirt and some shoes. Uh, what can you provide me with? And he said, oh, I've got something here for you. And he gave me these stained yellow chinos that were like XXL in size and asked if I wanted to wear them. And he had nothing else, so I said yes. And he gave me the world's horrendous formal, <laughs> the world's most horrendous formal shoes that were also in, in dire straits. And I said, yeah, I'll take them, just to enter this Labua Sky Bar and leave because it was an attraction of Bangkok. And he said, okay, that's, that's the equivalent of 10 pounds, like 40 baht or 400 baht. I said, that's fine, 10 pounds, that, that'll do. And then he said, actually, I need the equivalent of 60 pounds in case you steal the clothes. And I said to him, steal the clothes. I will be handing you these clothes as soon as I'm back out that building, sir. And he told me to F off, which I did. So we spent another 20, 30 minutes trying to find a mall. And I visited some sort of huge shopping center in the, the city center of Bangkok, looking for clothes or at least trousers. And the only store I could find was Levi's. And the Levi's jeans in the store were like £100. I had plenty of jeans at home. I wasn't going to wear jeans for the rest of the holiday. I was refusing to be £100 just to enter the sky bar. Uh, so I looked at the ch I looked at the children's section where, where I saw a pair of trousers for like £10 that had an elastic waist. The pockets were fake and sewn on. And I just said, do you know what? I'll take them. £10. I got changed in the changing room and I, and I purchased them with a smile. The end was near. Um, and before we went to enter the, the, Lubua, the Lubua Sky Bar, we decided we needed something to eat. So we went to McDonald's in the shopping centre. Ate at McDonald's and, and left. So about four hours later after we left our hotel, we turned up to the Lubua Sky Bar and it started pissing down of rain, which meant the Sky Bar was closed. So we ended up going into the Labour Sky Bar, sitting at another bar, paying £35 for a cocktail and never never seeing the site that we paid four hours and £10 worth of jeans for. What's the funniest story you've ever heard? Okay, I don't know if this story's true, but I'm going to share it. I need to voice it. I heard that they were from a friend of a friend of a friend, that they were sharing a flatmate with someone who was from Ireland. During the summer, they visited home. And whilst they were home, this individual from Ireland and their family decided to go on a caravan trip from Ireland to France. Right? And it consisted of the mum, the dad, the girl and the boy. And they decided to take the grandmother. So they towed their caravan from Ireland onto the ferry over to Scotland and drove down to Devon or down to 
the south of England to get the ferry. Or the, or was it the, or was it the tunnel? I don't know. They got to the south of England anyway and tried to, to surpass through into, into France. And they realised that the grandmother had forgotten her passport and wouldn't get let through um, into France. So what they decided to do was they put the grandmother and the caravan under the covers in the bed and they, they snuck her through into France. And when they got to the other side, you'll never believe it, they checked on her and she had died in transport. She had, must have taken a heart attack or some sort of shock and she had died when they were trying to smuggle her through to France. And the family said, do you know what? It's been an ordeal. We've had the nerves of God knows who over the last hour or two hours of trans transferring her over into France. Let's park up for the night. We'll book into a hotel and we'll deal with Gran in the morning. So this is what they did. They went to sleep that night in a nice hotel, waiting to face the next day. And when they woke up the next morning, the caravan had been stolen. Someone had stole the caravan with dead Gran in it. Don't know if that's a true story, but is what it is. I mean, the first time I heard that, I was shocked. Last, second last question. Would you rather drink dirty sink water or eat bread with blue bits? I mean, that's what they serve as a scotch breakfast and some of the cafes in Ayrshire, so I need to say both. And last question. What would David McIntosh of five years ago tell David McIntosh of now? Absolutely nothing. Just keep moving forward. Doing do what you do what you've done. I've had an awesome life. I wouldn't change it for the world. I've had loads of hardships, loads of highlights, loads of lowlights, but it's made me who I am. So I wouldn't change it. And that's us. Finished our solo podcast, our very first one. Let me know if there's any more questions that you have uh, that I might have missed, and we can cover that in the next one. I hope you enjoy this. It's very different for me talking to a camera and talking to a microphone by myself for a whole. I don't know, was it 45 minutes? Who knows? I hope you enjoyed it anyway and send me some feedback at Development by David on Instagram. Mm-hmm.